Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Seattle has a new head coach. The Seahawks have reportedly hired Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald as their new head coach. At 36 years old, he becomes the league's youngest head coach. He's taking over, though, for a storied organization. So what are the expectations for McDonald's first season? Text in your expectations, 866-979-3776. Bump, what are yours? Uh, my expectations are to make this defense a bit more better. A bit more better. Three or four spots in, in, in every category. If you do that... If if that if that was done this year, this team is in the playoffs. I really believe that, and I think they have a chance to win a playoff game. Uh, but because the defense couldn't get it done late, uh, because um, the offense had their moments where they couldn't make the play, uh, they fell short. So my expectation is to get to the playoffs. Now, you look at this division, it's not going to be tough, man. You got the uh, the Niners in the playoffs over the last 12 seasons. Seven times the NFC West has been represented in I said Niners in the Super Bowl, sorry. Um, twelve years, seven times NFC West has been represented Man. in the Super Bowl. So we know that it is tough. You got the Rams who found a new receiver in Matthew Stafford, probably is gonna hold on for a few more years. And then honestly, we're still waiting to see what the Arizona Cardinals look like. They've shown at times that they can be mm-hmm. a good team. They can run the football. Kyler Murray coming back from an injury when he didn't have to come back from that injury. Um he could have just um let this season go by. It's a wash start off next year. So expectations is the defense has to look better. It has to. No exceptions, right? You hire a defensive guy. He's been proven in the college game. He's been proven with uh, the Ravens in the NFL. The focus is the defense. If they look better, I think all else will fall in place. Yeah, I think that the offense uh, got a lot of blame because quarterback's the most visible position and obviously offense in general is what we all watch. We all follow the ball, but I agree, Bump. The real reason this team continued to struggle, and the offense wasn't without flaws, but it was because of the defense, and that's kind of been the case far more often than not over the last, like, five, six years I agree that that kind of in line with my expectations are that you take measurable quantifiable steps forward not like oh they have some young guys you know they could really get this done if this defense is 30th or 31st against the run and 30th or 31st or 32nd against the pass that's not enough I don't care if it's a new head coach that is not enough the reason you're hiring him is to be better there what are your expectations for McDonald's first year? I'm going to call him Coach Mac because I keep stumbling over McDonald. It's not like it's an <laughs> abnormal name. I don't know why. McDonald. It's not hard to say. I'm just going to say Coach Mac. 866-979-3776-360 says Super Bowl or bust. Listen. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, a peace and love to you. Here, here's something I want to see. Can we just be fundamentally sound? Can we have the right angles when approaching the ball carrier? Can we? I forgot who said it, and it was beautifully said. Put them in a cup, right? Put them in a bowl. What that means is surround the ball carrier, and everyone doesn't have to go for the knockout hit. That's one thing we saw way too many times with this defense, right? And sometimes when you have a a new guy like Mike McDonald, he's going to focus on the little things because he's building this thing in his mind, right? In real life, He's not building from the ground up. In real life, you have a quarterback. In real life, you have receivers. You have some DBs. But for him, he's starting from the ground up with this team because he has not coached anybody on this roster. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You get back to the little things, fundamentals, 
um, pursuit drill. Uh, little things that veterans like Peters is going to look at and be like, man, what the heck are we doing this for? Man, I ain't no rookie. You know, I'm not in college anymore. Coach is younger than me. But you know what? Sometimes you have to give back to that stuff. So I think that's where you start is reminding these veterans the things that got them here and would make them successful. Because um, uh, real stuff, when you get to the NFL, a lot of times they're not coaching you no more. They're just saying, get to this spot. They're not telling you how to get to the spot, how to be more efficient. It's more just get to the spot, make the player I'm going to put in the guy um, who's the number two on, on the depth chart. So when you start all over like this, I would assume that it's uh, football one-on-one, right? How do we get the ball carrier on the ground efficiently? From the 253 Amen Bump details, someone else echoing you, 360, when I asked about expectations, says, can we all caps tackle? Mm. <laughs> yeah, Facts. expectations are being better there. Now, this person has a win total. They said, my expectations, three more wins. Yeah. It's a that's possibility. A, be, I, I want to see that schedule, I too. Say that, I want to see that schedule. Yeah. So you're asking for 12 wins. That's that's a lot. I want to see that schedule. Uh, I expect from the 253, I expect him to turn around our defense in year one from 30th in 2023 to top 16. Is that too much? No, it's not. That, that's that's middle of the pack. We, yeah. we can't be average. With this personnel-wise, yeah. right, with this defense, personnel-wise, we expect it to just be average, and we were below average in almost every major category. Uh, from the 206, my expectation that the defense has confidence and swagger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I think genuinely my, my expectation, and I would say my excitement around the hiring of McDonald is that I love watching great defense and I love watching a defense that's having fun. It makes you feel like your team is punching someone else in the mouth. I would like to have that feeling watching this defense instead of a feeling of holding your breath, wondering if a team's going to convert third and 11 on the ground. Well, when you're winning, you're having fun. When you're when you're ups and downs, smiles and frowns, uh, that, that fun shows up every now and then. Uh, so one, you have to win. And he knows what winning looks like. You come from Michigan, right? You have mm-hmm. success over there. You're learning under Harbaugh. Then you go to the Ravens. You have success over there. You're learning under Harbaugh. There's something that the Harbaugh's are doing correctly. Um, so you, you have to grab from all the lessons that you've learned over there. And then you look at the things that have made those programs successful. And you also look at the losses. You look at that AFC championship loss and say, what did we do wrong? Where did we go wrong? What in our preparation led us to have that type of performance? You look at Michigan and they're lost when they got blown out, okay? Yeah. What was our messaging? What did we do wrong? So it's, it's important that we focus on the successes that this guy has had but also look at the failure it ain't been it's not like there were huge failures like these guys lost nine ten games and the offense can produce the defense can produce it's the little things that didn't allow them to execute when they really needed it those are the things he's going to take with them so again right fresh eyes and, and recent success and recent failures are going to help this dude from the 360, no way he'll even come close to having as much success as Pete Carroll. There is no way. I'll say this. When we talk about the expectations for Mike McDonald, part of that extends to expectations for the team, execution-wise, and expectations mm-hmm. for John Schneider. You got to continue to draft well. And for those young guys who have been drafted, find ways to build on that and continue to have them execute. You can't have any step backs for draft classes. Mm-hmm. No, you can't. Um, I think you made that point. We were talking about... Uh, the steps being made by the 2022 Mm -hmm. and 2023 class. And it was just, all right, just get better. The, the tough part about that is that 
we were hit with injuries this year, right? You got Rick Woolen starting the season with an injury. Even Spoon had himself an injury in the 2022 class. Your tackle and Abe Lucas had an injury. Um, Jenna Wilson, not part of the draft class, but he brought he was over here um, a year ago. So you want to see improvement, but you got to get lucky in this game. And, and half of that is having all your dogs available. The Hawks didn't have that. But um, we need to see a better season from Reek. We need to see a boy in Mafe can at least duplicate what he did last year. And now, what can he do with a Jenna Nwosu, right? Clint mm-hmm. Hurd put a Jenna in, in great positions to make plays in one season, didn't have him for the second. So now, Uchenna's the type of player that McDonald loves, man. McDonald. Sorry, I got to think of my my grandma. I'm telling you. She doesn't say, you, you want to go to McDonald's? She go, you want to go to McDonald's? So I got to think of my grandma. <laughs> McDonald's. I'm going to go to McDonald's. I start thinking, I'm trying to remind myself by thinking Bernie Mac every time. God rest his <laughs> soul. I, I think that every time I'm like, Mac, Mac. It's it's hard. I keep wanting to say McDonald. McDonald. Um, you know, I have back-to-back texts here, Bump, uh, on the Mac and Jack's text line. Someone saying, I don't think 11 wins is asking too much. And someone else saying, new new coach and a new system. Yeah, eight and nine is pretty realistic. It's That's minimum, I think. Minimum. Yeah. And everyone is excited, and you should be excited, because we feel like he's bringing things to this team that – we're missing, but we also have to realize this is his first go at this thing and hiring the mm-hmm. right people to be his assistants are important. Um, understanding his team and the attributes that everyone brings to the table is important. I, I think I think this team can get nine, ten wins next year, but I think eight wins is the bare minimum. Uh, let's see. What's let's be honest. This is another person saying, like, what are the chances that a 36 year old can come close to those achievements? I don't understand how we got rid of the best coach we've had for some no-name dude I've never heard of. You never heard of him. I've heard of him for the last three, four years. Well, well, well some people never heard of Taylor Swift till this year. That's wild to me. That's, that's <laughs> offensive Some people to ne- me. didn't really know what she looked like until this year. Yeah. But no, it's, um again, he is he stepping into a position that um, that is going to have some expectations? Yes, because Pete Curl was here for 14 years and they had success. But I would think that even if you were against Pete Carroll being let go this year, you could see the reasoning behind it, and you could understand that maybe it was time for a fresh start. Mm-hmm. Now to expect McDonald to come in here and have fourteen year a fourteen year run the way Pete Carroll had, that's not realistic. Can it happen? Yeah, it can happen. But look at the league and and coaches and and how fast they're turned over. Most coaches get through that first contract and and then it's time to move on. But um, you have to just take this, man, one week at a time Um, and then one step at a time. And we're going to start seeing these steps. Who is he hiring to support him? Uh, From the 253, they have an offensive prediction, but it's because of defensive improvement. They said, my expectation, seven points more a game for the offense. That's massive. Seven points. points? Yeah. Seven points more a game for the offense. Dude, the defense just not being on the field as much. Um, I think I think it's now seven points is a lot. 30 points, like one team averaged 30 points this year. I think, um, though, expecting an offense that can get more done, assuming your defense improves, is fair. Mm-hmm. saying, yeah, I expect a higher scoring offense because in no world do I want my offense and defense to be one of the worst teams on third down. Yeah, that's um, 
on offense, you want to be great on third down. On defense, uh, you want to stop the offense on third downs. That's how you get the ball back, right? Fundamental. Again, let's get back to the fundamentals. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I looked at this team on third down offensively and defensively and felt really confident about their execution. What about this one? Before I get to some good sound from Kyle Hamilton, I I expect to see a clear identity of either a great defense, like great one. offense, just something. You go into the season knowing we don't have an identity. What's one of your first jobs as head coach? Figure out who you want to be. Yeah. Who do you want to be? We know what they want to be on defense. Um, if you look at uh, McDonough, he was able to diversify his portfolio defensively. He called a game according to what the team was good at and mm-hmm. bad at. It sounds simple, right? Like, oh, no, no dub bump. I almost, I almost said a curse word. I'm so glad you did it. <laughs> no dub bump. Matt, get that dumb button uh, ready. Um, yeah, of course you do that, right? But some guys just become stubborn. You get into your comfort zone and you say, okay, this is how I call games. This is what I want to do. I look at the way McDonald has called games. There were games where he blitzed half the time. There were games where he blitzed 11% of the time. There were mm-hmm. games where cover four was heavy. There's a game, there are games where cover one. Every every uh, simple type of coverage, when you just put it on paper, obviously there's certain ways they teach coverages and blitz and all that stuff. But he he touched cover one, two, three, four, and touched it heavily in some situations according to the game and the quarterback they're playing in the offense. That's all I'm looking for. Now, variety, um, when you hear that it, some people can say, well, that doesn't mean identity. No, no, there is identity. Identity is, okay, this is our defense. These are our guys. This is our base. These are things we're going to do well within cover two, three, four, and five. And I think it on five, cover six. Mm-hmm. I think it starts, it starts with just gap integrity, setting the edge, making tackles, causing turnovers. That's where you start. I would love for that to be this defense's identity. Let's get to uh, another expectation here. This one's mine, and it's inspired by uh, Raven safety Kyle Hamilton and what he had to say about McDonald. Yeah, he's super cerebral, really smart guy, probably the smartest guy in the building. Um, don't tell him I said that. But, uh, you know, he's going to get everybody in the right spots, use everybody's best abilities, and um, really just conforms to what we do best as a defense and as a team. And um, Great motivator. Uh, he lets the guys lead the room. It's just a bunch of great qualities for him. And whatever is coming in his future, he deserves it. My expectation, that you get what you hired. You are not hiring experience. You are not hiring a veteran. You are not hiring a track record, per se. You do have a, a good one with Michigan and, and this year with the Ravens. You're hiring someone who's innovative. You're hiring brains. You're hiring X's and O's. You're hiring someone who can evolve the game. At least get that. Now, the reason he was presumably hired by the Seahawks is because John Schneider and Jody Allen saw that leadership in him and saw all of that culture-building potential in him, and they're bringing him in. They're not just going to hire someone who's book smart. But I do expect that those smarts follow him here. (laughs) Hey, better. Yeah. Don't leave it in Baltimore. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, (laughs) I mean, let's be real. The selling point, this guy's brilliant. And here's uh, – now, having success as a, as a rookie head coach is tough, but here's a list of guys who have had that success. Okay. Got Sean Payton with the New Orleans Saints, 10-6. That worked out. Bill Cowher, Steelers, 11-5. and five. Chuck okay. Knox with the St. Louis Rams, 12-2. and two. You got Dennis Green with Minnesota Vikings, 11-5. and five. Mariucci with the San Francisco 49ers, 13-3. and three. Tomlin, Steelers, 10-6. and six. Jamora, Falcons, 11-5 and five, with a bunch of guys sprinkled in there. Mm-hmm. So – 
It's possible, and that's the honorable mention list. You got Harbaugh with the Niners. Um, you got John Madden with the uh, with, with the Raiders, and, and the list goes goes on and on. Bill Callahan with the Oakland Raiders, eleven and five. It can be done. Is it expected for these guys for this guy to have a double digit win season and to make the change that drastic? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think it can. It should be expected, but it's a possibility. My thing is just look better. Just look better. Look more complete. Look like the offense can put together some drives and the defense can um, can get them the ball back and have that that flow that we used to feel at times last year with those Seahawks and previous years with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. Someone said you're hiring someone younger than Stacy. Excuse you. He is older <laughs> than me. Um, let's see. Let's get to four down territory. This is Four Down Territory, going inside the game with former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down, what's the first order of business if you're Mike McDonald? You got to get an offensive coordinator in here ASAP. And you got to get an offensive coordinator who looks at the personnel that the Seahawks has and has a plan, right? An offensive coordinator that's not going to say, well, this is what we did in Baltimore, or not a coordinator, obviously he can't make a lateral move, but a guy who has the potential to be a coordinator to say, this is what we did in Baltimore, we're going to do it here in Seattle. No, not a guy, say, who is with the Chicago Bears to say, this is what we did in Chicago, this is what we're going to do here mm-hmm. in Seattle. No, you need to have a guy who has a specific plan for DK, for Lockett, for Ken Walker, and be able to teach that, right? And you you hired a young head coach, right? And I think that hiring young is fine, but I also think that you need some older guys to hold each other accountable yep. and to sniff out some things uh, before they get worse. Things I'm talking about are bad habits on offense, um, uh, accountability. A guy who was okay with having a candid conversation with a younger head coach still got to respect him and say, look, these are the things that I'm seeing. But the first order of business is to make sure that this offense takes a step forward. If this offense can take a step forward and uh, and the defense takes a bigger step forward collectively, this is going to be an okay team. This is going to be a playoff contending type of team. So what I'm looking at, I go, look, McDonald, if you're on the plane back to Baltimore, wherever you're at, you should be making phone calls right now, looking across the league to find a guy who's ready and who understands and has a plan on how to use Geno in the rest of this offense. Second down. What is a rare trait shared by Mike McDonald and Washington head coach Jed Fish? Them dudes ain't played on a Friday, ain't played on a Saturday, ain't played on a Sunday. They they haven't played the game, right? They're not football players or football coaches. Now, there are advantages and disadvantages of that these two using them as an example it's a clear advantage right they're able to look at the game differently i remember when magic johnson became the head coach of the los angeles lakers he's one of the worst coaches we've ever seen why because he's so great he just expects guys to get it and do the things that he does now when you don't play the game you really have to coach the details you're not coaching with feel there are a lot of times where i get young receivers and i'm telling them what to feel because I felt it and I played that position. Now, the advantage of a guy who's never played the game is that it's it's black or white. It is what it is. Your hand goes there. Your foot goes there. This is where I need you. The defense is trying to take away this. Offensively, this is what we're trying to do. It's so clear cut that 
it can resonate with players in a different way. Now, if you have a guy like Mike McDonald and, and Jeff Fish who have not played the game before, that's where your assistants come in with the feel. Okay, this is what it looks like on paper. This is what it looks like on film. Now, this is what I want you to feel. So it's unique. It also tells you that these guys work extremely hard. Right? I'm not saying guys who have played the game don't work extremely hard, but if you, you've reached this amount of success and you've never played the game, that means you've been a true student of the game because you cannot lean on feel in game time experiences in the trenches are in coverage to relate to these players. Third down. Who on the Seahawks defense is a perfect fit for what McDonald wants to do? Jordan Brooks. You got to sign Jordan Brooks. Mm-hmm. I look at the way Jordan Brooks plays. I see Queen. I see Smith. He flies around. Patrick Queen. You gave me that look like Queen. Oh, no. The, okay. Yeah. All right. Patrick Queen and I see Smith. I see guys who can who play with a speed and intensity um, that's necessary at the linebacker position um, in today's game and also can cover. You have to be able to drop into the hook in the middle of the field and cover the crossing route or, or reroute a tight end in today's game because it's so spread out. I look at Jordan Brooks and I go, look, man, one, the guy is disciplined. For him to come back from that injury the way that he had was rid- ridiculous. Yep. And obviously he got banged up with the ankle injury. But you look at the way he just flows to the football, the the angles that he takes, the intensity he plays with, you need that guy. So first order of business, you find your offensive coordinator. Second order of business, when we talk about personnel, I think you got to lock down Jordan Brooks and find him a partner in crime because we saw what that does to that Ravens defense. We have two backers in the middle of the field who hold it down. So go ahead and get Jordan Brooks locked that down. Fourth down. Now we're all wondering what's going to happen at mm. quarterback. Should McDonald draft J.J. McCarthy? That's what we're all wondering at this point, mm-hmm. right? He's yep. connected. He's connected. He understands. Now, you get J.J. McCarthy if you don't see Geno being your guy for the next three or four years. And you get J.J. McCarthy if you feel like he has the potential either next year or the following year to progress fast enough to make that decision tough on whether to play Geno or whether to play J.J. McCarthy. I think to start this season, Geno has to be the guy. But a quarterback is connected to a head coach. A head coach is connected to a quarterback. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like familiarity. There's nothing like coaching a guy for a couple years or being around him, knowing how he works, how he understands things, and be able to be so simple with him. you coaches out there, you players out there, you guys know this feeling. When something goes wrong and you just look at the player, he looks at you, and before you say anything, he already knows. He goes, gives you a nod, like, yep, I already got you. I got you, coach. I messed that up. Or as a coach, you look at the player, and you're able to have a candid conversation and say, look, I messed that up. There's something special about a head coach and quarterback relationship, and I think that's what he le- what he leans on when, if he wants to drive J.J. McCarthy. Now, you can look at J.J. McCarthy's stats, and they're not going to overwhelm you. you got to understand he played in an offense where they packed it in and they run the football. But he is athletic. He can get outside the pocket. I saw someone say he can't throw the football. I don't know what the heck you're looking at. JJ's good. He's a he's a good quarterback. Fundamentally sound and more athletic than people give him credit for. So should he draft JJ McCarthy? I say he does. Ooh, I'm flipping it. Okay. I say you draft JJ McCarthy at number 16, but you don't force him to play. You let him sit for a while. JJ or the best defensive player. I don't want to see another quarterback if it ain't JJ. If it ain't JJ, it's the best defensive player available. I'm going to throw in like a bonus question. I'm going to con- consider it a two-point conversion. Uh, Pete let a lot of players go in his first couple years, says the 206. Do you think McDonald will have a high turnover rate as well? 
I look at the defense and he has to make it his, right? But I think that this is where John comes in. Mm -hmm. This is where John comes in. So if, if we see a, a high turnover rate, I'm not going to look at at uh, McDonald to say, oh, that's you. I'm going to look at John Schneider and say, he's been around these guys. He drafted these guys. He acquired yeah. these guys. He thinks they need to go. But for the most part, there shouldn't be too high of a turnover, I don't think, because there's a lot of young guys out there making plays for him. Another, uh, also, I'm going to add on to that, uh, that if you are throwing out a ton of clothes in your closet, you're doing it because you have money to spend on more clothes, right? Mm-hmm. They had two first round picks in 2000 like they had money to spend draft picks to make draft capital to use not as much this year so yeah you could have some turnover you do need to do some shuffling around you right. need to figure out what to do with some of these high cap hits particularly with your defense but but uh but i i concur that i don't think we're going to see nearly as much shuffling as we saw in pete's first year all right still to come in the show we're going to hear from espn's brady henderson espn's mina kimes both are going to join us to talk about the hire but first we know why the seahawks picked mike mcdonald but why did mcdonald choose the seahawks that's next bumping stacy powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Bump, it's not what I need to know yet. That's coming up at 145, but we've already had so many people texting in questions about Seattle's new head coach, Mike McDonald. One of them are, is Seattle wasting its wide receivers? Are they wasting offensive talent, constantly looking to improve the defense, now going with the defensive mm. head coach? That's coming up at 1145. Think of your answer to that one. First, though, we know why the Seahawks picked Mike McDonald. We've been talking about it for an hour. But why did Mike McDonald choose the Seahawks? Because if you guys are aware, there are other head coaching positions available. Now, granted, Mike is only now interviewing, but one of those positions still available at the Commanders, the only other position, number two pick in the draft. You could have Drake Mays, your quarterback. You could have money to spend. And he chose Seattle. Yeah, he did. And... I think part of the reason why he chose Seattle is because of the personnel. Uh, we've compared the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington Commanders um, a few times over the past couple of weeks in this QB search. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the Hawks are just better on paper. Now, the Commanders do have a number one receiver in McLaurin. Um, but you look at their number two receiver situation, um, and the next guy up is Curtis Samuel, 613 yards. I will take Tyler Lockett over him. All day. You look at Jahad Dotson, 518 yards and four touchdowns. Comparable to JSN. I think JSN has uh, more upside. And then at the tight end spot, you got Logan Thomas, uh, 55 reception, 496 and four touchdowns. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think Colby Parkinson is going to be the leader at that tight end spot next year going forward. I believe they have to sign him because he's a free agent as well. And then we get into the backfield. You got Brian Robinson, who had himself a decent year, 733 on the ground and five touchdowns. And then Antonio Gibson, who hasn't had the year that we thought well that he's had in the past, uh, 265 yards and 16 touchdowns. And then the offensive line is a crapshoot, I think. You look at the offensive line, I saw somebody text in and say, you know, I said with that number 16 pick, it's McCarthy, best defensive player, um, or nothing. Someone goes, you need offensive line help. And I go, yeah, you do, but you also drafted two guys last year. And I think you need more than a year in some spotty situations to really figure out what they can do. Big Ray Roberts loves Anthony Bradford, and he loves Oluwatemi. Another signing that you have to think about is Damian Lewis. He's a free agent this year. So I look at the offensive line, and I go, win healthy and win experience. And I think Evan Brown did a good job for this team, too, um, in, in some moments. Win healthy 
and uh, when allowed to grow, I think this O-line can be okay. It's all projecting, right? Projecting Abe stays healthy, Cross stays healthy, Anthony mm-hmm. Bradford evolves, and Ola Timmy does his thing. I'm okay with where they are right now. I'm not mad at drafting a offensive lineman later in the draft, though. Robert Mays, despite it not feeling you know that way at times this year, says, yes, there is a lot of talent on this Hawks roster. I think there's a selling point about the talent on the roster. I know it was kind of a disappointing year when you compare it to the preseason expectations, but there's still a lot of pieces on this team. There's a lot of young pieces on this team. So I think the underlying talent and the organizational stability would be the two things that would be the most appealing to me. Exactly what you said, Bump. Look, it doesn't always feel like that with, you know, at times how this defense performed. And, of course, with us looking at the 49ers. The 49ers are stacked. They have so much talent. Their personnel uh, and the way that they use it feels perfect. And it's easy to look at that and go, right, like the rich kid in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and go, I wish I had a three-story home. And I wish (laughs) I had a shower bench. And I (laughs) I wish I had all these cool things that that guy does and sometimes forget to look at what you have and think okay i could actually do more with this i can do more than what i'm doing here yeah it's um i challenge people to to look at this team differently now that guys are gone right i know you you look at the offensive line you say oh my god they struggled yes at times they did struggle but guys were missing Mm -hmm. like i said when healthy Abe Lucas and Charles Cross, there's some good tackles out there. We're still growing. So he looks at the stability at positions. You're stable as heck at receiver. You can be stable if you want to keep Geno Smith, at quarterback. And at running back, you're good to go. I think you have a one-two combo. Then you sprinkle in some Kenny McIntosh for crying out loud, and you'll be okay. <laughs> now, defensively, I think you have some young pieces as well. Boye Mafe coming off of his best season as a pro. Jordan Brooks, who I think you have to lock down. Devin Witherspoon, who might win defensive rookie of the year. Julian Love, who you brought over and created a pro bowler out of him. Reek Woolen, who had a bad year but is a physical freak. Mm-hmm. Who can do some things on the defensive line? Jay Reed. Did, did they sign Jay Reed to a one year? Or was it a couple years? I don't remember if it was one or two. It was a one year deal. One year Jay Reed. We'll see if you want to bring him back. Leonard Williams. You must bring him back if you are not going to get into that second round. And I think that you should. Also, there are rumors going around, and we heard Leonard Williams like kind of hint towards like, look, I don't know if I'm going to be here. He probably wants to go somewhere where he can win. Now, when you when you hire a guy like Mike McDonald, McDonald, Leonard Williams is probably looking a bit different, saying, all right, we got a younger coach. He's I like what he did with that with that Ravens defense over there. Now you can entice some dudes to stay. So yes, the now that's just the stability in the roster. Mm-hmm. Now you talk about the stability of just the Seahawks in general. You got Schneider who's been here. He's been around the block a few times. He understands what it what winning looks like and what it takes to win. So I think John Schneider is a big part of Mike McDonald wanting to come here too. John Schneider whispered all the right things in his ear yep. to make him. And then also, man, it was us in the commanders. Like, come on, man. I know. Come on. Come on. Well, Seattle. Where would you rather and go? Washington. Where would you? Come on The now. real Washington. How about the Washington <laughs> that's a state? Exactly. How about that? Um, I think, you know what? Um, I'm going to call an audible. We're going to do KJ sound. He has some really interesting stuff about what he hears happens at Ravens practice. Uh, we'll do that coming up in 15. So let's get to that wide receiver question. Now, I think the reason that the listener texted this in is they were saying, God, here's yet another effort to fix the defense. That's how they saw the defensive, you know, hire. Um, and you're wasting DK and you're wasting Tyler and you're wasting, you know, Gino or whatever quarterback you get. However, I wanted to hear bump uh, what you think about, how hiring a defensive coaching staff and and you know how you know still looking to improve the defense can still mean excelling on offense. You hire the right guy. 
Hire the right guy on offense because you have the weapons, right? Hire a guy who understands how to use those weapons. I don't think you're wasting. I don't think you're going away. You look at DK Metcalf. What was that? Three coordinators in his short career so far yeah, this yeah, year. Yeah. And he still put together three 1,000-yard seasons and two seasons where he's over 900 yards and has 12 and 10 touchdowns, right? I don't think you're wasting away. I just think that if, if, I, if I'm at the house and my ceiling is leaking – and uh, my door is creaking, I'm going to go with the ceiling because it's leaking. I can deal with a creaking door, right? I can just, man, WD-40 in that thing, boom, we're good to go. Tighten up some screws, we're good to go. That's the way I look at the offense, right? The ceiling, man, you don't want puddles in your house, right? It's flooding. There's puddles in the house (laughs) when it comes to the defense, right? So you're not ignoring the the door that's creaking. You're just saying, I got to get here first and take care of that, and then I can go here because that door is still going to work. It's still going to close. It's still going to lock. We're not in dire need to fix that. Door. There are also many examples, and I know this listener knows that, but as a reminder, there are many examples of coaches with defensive backgrounds who have succeeded. I mean, never forget that while Pete Carroll had the Legion of Boom and people point to the Legion of Boom as being the reason that Seattle won a Super Bowl, Russell Wilson was so special uh, over most of his career here in Seattle, but most especially uh, when he was younger and could really move. Um, You had obviously Bill Belichick with Tom Brady, Sean McDermott with Josh Allen. Like, there are defensive coaches who have overseen the development of really promising quarterbacks and done so really well. Yeah, um, I was zoned out right now, Stacey. Can you repeat that last part again? That's fine. I was saying that hiring a defensive staff, or excuse me, hiring a head coach that's from a defensive background who will most certainly focus on fixing the defense Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you can't continue to develop offensively because there are so many examples of defensive head coaches that have done great things even with even with their offense, right? Like Sean McDermott yeah. with the Bills and Josh Allen. And and uh, McDonald knows what a good defense looks like. You know why? Because yeah. he's a defensive coordinator. He knows what a good defense looks like, uh, offense looks like. He knows the characteristics of an offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. We just heard Hamilton say he's the smartest guy in the room. So he's looking at analytics, and he's looking at the pressure that an offense puts on a defense. So when he's hiring these guys, and he goes, all right, look, when we're playing against this type of defense, that type of defense, how are you going to attack them? Him being on the defensive side of the ball, he can easily figure out a sniff out if this is the guy that I want or a guy that I don't want just according to how he's going to teach him and how he attacks defenses. KJ Wright was on with Brock and Sock this morning for the KJ Wright show and he heard something about what the Ravens do in practice and I'm assuming this is in part because Mike McDonald's there and I'm assuming Mike McDonald is going to take him take this with him to Seattle. When I tell you that you guys will love hearing this like love hearing this I mean it that's coming your way next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Bump KJ Wright was on the KJ Wright Show earlier this morning, and he had some interesting intel on how the Ravens practice. Now that we know the defensive coordinator for the Ravens is the Seahawks' new head coach, Mike McDonald, I think fans will really like hearing this. We, we, we didn't tackle. We didn't tackle. And I believe that those guys over there, they take guys to the ground. Wow. Yeah. They they have a live period. Live! Everyone's live. Stay off the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I didn't tackle guys until preseason, <laughs> game one. Or sometimes regular season, wow. game one. Yeah. And so it will be a different <laughs> Good. type of energy. Saying, we didn't tackle until the preseason. They take guys to the ground there. Call me old school, but I love that, man. You are old school, and I do believe you love that. <laughs> man, take guys to the ground. We've seen this. I've heard Dave Wyman talk about this. Obviously, KJ's talked about this. 
the tackling in the NFL right now is the worst it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Now, part of it is because of um, the, the the CBA deal with the amount of times you can practice, the pads that you wear, or when you wear pads, when you don't wear pads, and also um, how they call the game has played a factor, too. Back in the day, you can just clothesline a dude, and if you didn't die, then the play was good, right? <laughs> Nowadays, they are concerned about the health of guys on offense, but I also think that those guys were better tacklers, the, the KJ era, and, and well, probably towards the end, it kind of slowed down for mm-hmm. KJ yeah. and the way they did things. But at the beginning of that, and when we were in college and in high school, or in my day, we had live sessions with Holmgren at, at, at one point during the uh, during training camp. So it, it's a clear result of that. So I like the live sessions. I would just, uh, I wouldn't do them like every day, maybe yeah. once a week during the, uh, the preseason. But yeah, you need these guys to feel what it's like to tackle, wrap up, drive to the ground, and make the play. Finish the play. How many times do we see these guys be in perfect position, throwing your shoulder in there, head down? Now Jennings converts a third and seven, and you Ugh, needed that. Don't even play. remind you me. That. Uh, KJ had so much to say. We're going to go through some more of it. I will let you guys know that KJ had this interview before the news was announced. So if you hear him say, like, if he's hired, KJ knows. <laughs> This was this was about yeah. two hours ago. Uh, all right, let's get to some more of it. Here's what stood out about Mike McDonald's defense this year to KJ. I watched Kyle Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I watched the way he utilized a Kyle Hamilton. Had him in deep third. Had him covering man to man, blitzing him a lot. Kyle Van Noy, Jadavion Clowney. Like, he really brought guys to life. And Roquan Smith, he had his man in the middle. You're the guy. You're the alpha male. You get everyone lined up. You get everyone directed on this football field. And so when you talk about you got to have you got to have guys to bring your defense to life. And so I believe that everyone with the Baltimore Ravens did their part this football season. Now, obviously, he's not going to have the same guys here in Seattle, but he does have talent here in Seattle. And importantly, what he needs to do is find out how to get the most of people. And I think the best example is Clowney, who had a career year with Mike McDonald's defense. And it's not like other teams haven't had a shot to get that out of him. Yeah, and a guy a guy like Clowney, one, when you're older, you got to stay healthy, right? And you got to understand the uh, the defense and what you want. But you got to be motivated as well. I feel like there are some years where we watched Clowney play and he wasn't motivated. How do you motivate a player? Yep. Just by the way you communicate with them, the conversations that you have. Um, you putting him in situations where he feels comfortable. It might sound like you're just uh, catering to your ball players, but that's exactly what you have to do. I'm going to cater to what you do best. Mm-hmm. Now, you talk about Kyle Hamilton. We ain't got that. We ain't got that. We don't have a 6'4", 220-pound safety. Unfortunately. It's just different. This guy gave up one touchdown the whole season when guarding the tight ends. It was against uh, Travis Kelsey. But with the play of Kyle Hamilton, his second year in the league, that shows that he can develop. Now, he was a high draft pick, number 14 overall out of Notre Dame. High expectations for that guy. But you're coaching him up. You're putting him in positions. And like KJ said, you're letting these guys loose. Jadavion Clowney felt like he can get loose. You look at Smith. He says the big dog in the middle. That's why I keep, I'm going to keep saying this. Jordan Brooks needs to be signed. You're not going to find another Jordan Brooks early in the draft unless you go at number 16. And then uh, you know what I said? I said, look, it's JJ or the best defensive player at 16. Um, you sign him. But you look at the way that Kyle Hamilton advanced in two years. He's a pro bowler this year. Mm-hmm. You look at the player Smith. We already knew that he was a baller. And then you look at what he was able to get out of Jadavian Clowney. So you went, the young guy got him balling. You went, the old guy got him inspired. And then the dude in his prime, you allowed him to be himself. He he, he hit everybody. It sure seems to like 
you know, you hear that someone's innovative and really smart and you think that means complicated. And while it does mean complicating things for an offense, it usually also means simplifying things for your defensive players, right? Yeah, exactly. Make make the rules just so clear cut and no ifs. Now, there are some ifs when you play defense. Of course. If this guy motions over here and we're in this, yep. this is how we're going to respond to it. If we see this guard pull, this is how we respond to it. But the less ifs, the better and the more clear the responsibilities are, right? Just do your job. You get 11 guys to do their job. The chances of you having success are great. Football comes down to who makes the least mistakes. Who makes who doesn't blow the coverage? Who doesn't jump off size? Who um, doesn't get a pass interference late in the game down inside the 10-yard line? You got to limit the mistakes. And how do you limit mistakes? You teach guys how to be in position. You teach guys how to attack a certain offensive scheme. And then you you teach it so well, well that there's no second guessing. Now you're just flying around and you're making plays and having fun. Uh, all right. Last one. I'm kind of... Spoiling your four down territory since I know you're going to talk about it, but um, I do know that you have this sound that uh, that we didn't use the first time around, so I'm going to let you use it here. And it's KJ talking about McDonald not having played. If you understand who you are as a human being, who you are as a coach, and you stand on that, and you know what the heck you're talking about, you will be well received from guys. Mm. But if you come in that room and, and you know you say some off the wall stuff, you ask of something that 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 we feel like we can't do as players, that's really hard to connect with. Mm. I've, I've had coaches to ask something of me, and I'm I'm like I feel like I can I can do anything on the football field, but what you're asking of me, you're, you're pushing it. You're really pushing it. And so I don't think that this is a Mike McDonald trait, a characteristic of him. Mm. We can see how he's brought guys to life at the college level, at the mm. pro level. Mm. And um, he come from a good tree. And I believe that this, um, the toughness, if he does come here, the toughness. I hear about those Ravens training camps. Whew, it's not fun, Salk. Hey, it doesn't matter if he hasn't played. And I'll throw in, too, it doesn't matter if he's reportedly introverted. Like, nah. what really matters? Exactly what KJ said. Ask your players to do things that you know they can do. At this point, when you're in the NFL, when you are 22, 23 years old, you can get better at some stuff. Yeah. You can get better. But you are who you are physically. You are who you are. That's like asking me to to move on to the outside and beat the fastest DBs in the league one-on-one. That wasn't my game. Put me in a slot. Let me mix some dudes up and, and get them in a space and move them off their spot. Understanding what your players bring to the table is half of the battle. And I look at that Ravens defense, and he understood that. I remember seeing Kyle Hamilton get mixed up in training camp his rookie season and everyone's saying he can't cover he mm-hmm. can't cover right and then uh he's getting better at it but you know who he was covering slot defenders right you didn't see Kyle Hamilton cover the slot that many times this year he had to do it because he's, he's a safety what did McDonald do go ahead man we're gonna put you on that tight end all right you can handle the tight end you're a bigger dude they're a bigger dude that's your matchup put your guys in matchups you feel that they can win the majority of the time all right, we are going to bring on our first guest. So um, Mina Kimes is going to join us today. Uh, we're going to talk uh, with Brian Walters coming up. Uh, but first, we're going to have on ESPN's Brady Henderson. And we're going to ask him a lot of questions about Mike McDonald and what this means for the Seahawks and the next decisions. But we're also curious about the rules on coaching hires. I want to ask Brady whether he can bring in guys who are DCs or OCs with other teams, whether he expects them to turn to the college ranks. Lots of decisions coming up for Mike and John Schneider. ESPN's Brady Henderson joins us next.